I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 22nd of February, 2023. My, where do these years go? This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets and reporting season once again, Scotty, wouldn't you say? I mean, we'll talk about wages in a moment. But uh, yeah, this is one of the final really big days for this reporting season. Yes, it's uh, great to be back and happy Richie Benno Day for all those out there who are going uh, and mark this day, Chew for 22. Uh, but yeah, it, it was another busy day and uh, as you said, probably the last really, really hectic one we get for this reporting season. And uh, as has been the way, uh, this, this, this particular uh, iteration, there's been some pretty wild movements at the individual stock level and uh, I think we can't really go past the plunge in domino shares today. That was just plain ugly. Plain flower ugly, you could say. Yeah, down by 24%. Disappointing really on all fronts, but it's really the outlook statement that's done the most damage. It's the consumer. And you could see that in LaVisa Holdings. LaVisa Holdings, another example of a company that, uh, you know, many do believe will still do well, even as, you know, consumer spending slows down and the shift of value takes place. But, you know, these two companies... Priced for perfection, you know, LaVisa's not obviously down as much as Domino's, but off by one and a half percent, even though, you know, the report was solid and the outlook wasn't anything terrible. Yeah, we're seeing evidence that uh, the consumer spending is starting to soften, including in those categories that you'd imagine would probably pot up a little bit better than maybe uh, more discretionary areas, which is interesting in itself. Uh, does it say that the uh, lower and middle income uh, people out there are getting squeezed? Uh, more so than everyone else. Well, that's certainly what it suggests at the moment. That's what the data is saying out there as well. So maybe not surprised that we're seeing this divergence in, uh, in some of the retailers. Let's just um, look. I'm going to name drop some of the companies that uh, were underperformers today on the reporting season front. Domino's, of course, EML payments down by 10%. Karun Energy. Interesting. That was featured on the call today. Much much liked by both of my expert guests, although admittedly, Henry Jennings said he'd like to get it cheaper. It's at $2.18 now. He said buy around $2.10. So if you were going to listen to the podcast after this, I think I just stole some of its slender. Worley down by three quarters of a percent. Flight Center off by six tenths of a percent. On the winning side of things, Wise Tech Global, four and a half percent higher. Centos tripled its uh, incoming and it was up by 3.2%. Woolies up by 2%. Cedarwood's property up by close to a percentage point. I spoke with them on the small caps. If you listen to the episode of the small caps, interesting what he had to say about you know the real driver, the real, real driver of the property market going forward. And I know I'm long-winded, Scuddy, but a center group up by close to 4%. So that's property. That's retail property. That's even, uh, you know, facing consumer headwinds. But it was a pretty strong report. And uh, 80% of the rents are linked to inflation brought back their debt. They've hedged against interest rates rising. Uh, you know, the market's rewarding it. It was the stock of the day today. Let's listen to what the guys had to say. 
Um, well, it's definitely a hold. Uh, it's probably a bit of a nibble on a buy. It's, it's pretty impressive. I, mean, I guess the, the, the thing that shines through is the power of the brand in terms of Westfield and, and the, the mere fact that they've got sort of record lease signings, those visitations. It's become a destination. Uh, and this is obviously what, what they're pushing. And, you know, when times get tough, retailers really flock to quality. And I guess this is the quality super, um, uh, you know, this is the quality super center, I guess. Yeah, look, it's definitely a hold in the whole REIT sector, the listed property trusts um, has certainly uh, been beaten up. So uh, definitely wouldn't be a sell. And uh, as my learned friend, the professor says, um, you know, quality begets quality. So certainly uh, I, I think it's a hold, whether it's a buy or not, I'm not quite sure yet. I'd like to see bond yields uh, start to come back off. I think that would give me confidence relating to uh, REITs. Is it uh, the buy of the day? No. We'll, we'll keep the viewers and listeners in bated mm -hmm. breath, but uh, okay. this is not it. All right. Well. And the guys being Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory. So, yeah, Centre Group, um, I think that might have taken some of the brokers by surprise. We'll see what they have to say tomorrow. Cool. Cool. Now, before we get to wages, which I know you're chomping at the bit, um, I think it's worthwhile mentioning as well that the best performer today was Origin Energy. Um, you know, we've been distracted by earnings, but this is massive, massive M&A. This bid from Brookfield and its partner came out of nowhere for Origin. Uh, you know, late last year. And then they extended their due diligence period. And there was some talk that perhaps, uh, you know, they, they weren't going to come back with, um, you know, great offer or could they possibly be walking away? But that proposal came through worth $8.90 per share. And uh, look, the market is clearly endorsing it. Uh, closing today at $7.00. And ninety. That's a Origins current share price. So, yeah, it looks as if some big M and A is still happening, and that uh, that eighteen point two billion dollar takeover offer will be backed by shareholders. Yeah, no, Craig David not walking away. Just uh, ten cents off the uh, the initial price, which I think a lot of people were expecting. We might go and see it measured in the uh, the dollars mm -hmm. rather than uh, the ten cents. So yeah, no surprise we saw that pop coming through today. Okay. All right, Scotty. Uh, we still have Rio Tinto to wait for. It might even happen while we're recording this podcast. Not sure. It usually happens just after the close. Of course, London time. It's coming out. And I will say that it's first a half uh, report net earnings at $12.4 down significantly from $21 billion this time last year. A total dividends uh, for the year of $4.92 US per share. Underlying earnings coming in at $13.3 billion, so that is way down on the previous year, which was $21.4 billion. I'm just skipping ahead. The final dividend, by the way, is $2.25 per share, $0.22.5 per share. Apologies. Um, I'm not seeing any commentary on China coming out just yet, so I'll uh, revisit this toward the end of the podcast. But, um, but Scotty, wages. Wages. Can we talk about wages? Uh, was there any indication that the wage sure. price spiral that the RBA is so concerned about now is coming to fruition? No, not at all, especially not in, uh, in the public sector. And when you look at some of the other factors at the moment, which is going on, population growth, we know is uh, starting to go and ramp back up as well. We know that job vacancies around the country are starting to go and come off their highs. 
Yeah, on Sunday game question, we probably won't see it just yet, but uh, maybe the next quarter or two, we might see the highs for, for wages this cycle. And uh, I don't think it's going to be more than an average rate of around about probably 4% year on year for workers. It means that a lot of people in real terms will be going backwards over that period of time. So it's been a pretty traumatic period for, uh, for disposable income for a lot of Australians over the past couple of years. Okay, so what what now? I mean, like... Does this significantly change? We learned in the minutes yesterday that they were considering 25 or 50 basis points. Does this make an overreaction by the RBA potentially uh, of more um, importance or more more likely, and therefore, you know, some sort of really, you know, not not a, just a technical recession, but you know, something more significant possible? Mm. Maybe. I don't think it changes the picture too much. Let's go and see. We got average weekly earnings out tomorrow, which is, you know, of course, an average. So, again, not perfect like the hourly wage price index, which doesn't really go and measure composite changes in the workforce or anything along those lines. I think we might have to go and wait to get a, a firmer picture from the national accounts, uh, see what happens there when it comes to unit labor costs and other factors uh, that we're going to get employee compensation because it's it's not enough information to go and make it a strong assessment. It looks like the RBA's forecast of wages are already the risk is to undershoot. But uh, it's only one reading. But, of course, we saw that very hot inflation report. We know that industrial relation changes that have come through the other pipeline as well might go and exacerbate some wage pressures, uh, given the ability to go and co-collective bargain uh, across various industries. So we'll see. But I don't think it really changes the picture just yet. Uh, let's go and see what happens when we get the next uh, labour force survey out. Of course, we've seen two employment declines back-to-back. And that might go and give us a bit of a clue as to whether we are likely to go and see uh, deceleration in wage growth from here. I had a good chat with John Blank from Zach's Investment Research this morning, actually. It feels like a long time ago now, but he was saying that so this core PCE on Friday is just so important. He reckons that if it comes in hot at all, that really does change the conversation further around rates in the U.S. And he gave me an interesting rule of thumb. He's an economist, actually, um, that he said, take the core PCE figure, so that's 4.1, 4.2, whatever that may be, at a percentage point. He's like, in that pretty much, that will be where the Fed terminal rate will lie. So he said that you just can't underestimate the importance of this inflation read that comes, um, you know, through in the United States post-FOMC meeting minutes, but on Friday. Yeah, a lot of people were saying that the, uh, the the real Fed funds rate, so no inflation adjusted, has to be in positive territory to really go and be assured that we see inflation come back down towards target. So yeah, I, I don't mind that, uh, that rule of thumb that he's thinking about there. We'll see what it comes and prints at. And probably equally as important as well uh, is also what's going on with the spending side of the equation. We saw that bumper retail sales report coming through. Was that just you know, a glitch in the data? Was it creating a spreadsheet and just you know, influenced by new car sales and everything else? Or was it reflective of broader spending across the economy? Well, we'll get a bit of an answer on that, hopefully, as well. Yeah, okay. So we still do have quite a lot of um, interesting data to come. Hey, what do you make of the New Zealand, the RBNZ, the New Zealand, the RBNZ? Uh, I guess scaling back its aggressiveness in terms of interest rate hikes. Yeah, look. 50 basis points. It was a bit of an inkling that it might be 75, but I think a lot of that got scuppered out following the uh, uh, <laughs> several natural disasters that uh, have impacted our Kiwi friends. Uh, but look, the forecast track for uh, for where they expect the, uh, the the cash rate to go and settle at five and a half percent this title is identical to what it was in the previous uh, no, uh, iteration three months ago. 
So, yeah, looking through short-term noise created by these disasters and everything else and still maintaining a pretty hawkish approach to how things are running. The one thing that the RBNZ has been consistent throughout this entire cycle has been that they've been hawkish throughout. And that's uh, interesting itself relative to what we're seeing with some other policy makers who have kind of flip-flopped when it comes to you know, the desire to go and tackle inflation. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with the devastating flooding, uh, the loss of life in New Zealand, uh, look, it's a pretty pretty dismal picture coming from across the Tasman as of late. So we'll see how that all washes out in markets. Okay, let's just talk general markets for a moment because that was quite the thump uh, that happened on Wall Street through the overnight period. That was the worst session of 2023. As we see the data come in quite strong still, not only there, but in Europe as well. And interest rate expectations still riding high. So relatively speaking, our market didn't do too poorly. It was down by three-tenths of a percent around the Asian region. There's plenty of negativity, again, just on interest rate expectations, a lot of which is being traced back to the Fed. If we take a look at some of the sectors that either outperform or underperform today, I mean, yes, we had a lot individually to speak of, but boy, um, CBA down by 2.3%. All of the names pretty much in the material space, save for Illumina in the wake of its results yesterday and DeGray were down, CSL was down. There wasn't a lot of positivity if you looked outside the energy space and uh, those consumer staples names, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. They're uh, Willie's up in the wake of its result and Kohl's in the wake of yesterday's as well. Um, So when it comes to, I just lost my train of thought a little bit, Asian markets, um, we'll continue to keep our eyes peeled for geopolitical tensions. I just noticed a really depressing headline on Reuters right now, Scotty, about Uh, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, suspending the nuclear pact, saying that Biden support for Ukraine doesn't matter. They will not waver. I mean, that anniversary is coming on Friday. So it's not good to see this kind of language ahead of such a a dismal uh, marker in time. No, it's uh, he's a madman. I think everyone who can go and see through uh, all the noise knows that uh, he's a dictator and evil person and uh, all about fear and Unfortunately, yeah, statements like that are just going to exacerbate those concerns. Yeah. All right. Um, Look, we've got some of the brokers out on some of those U.S. retailers, which, of course, did disappoint Home Depot, Walmart. And we've got more information coming from Rio Tinto. So um, just before we go, I think it's worthwhile noting uh, that Rio's... Rio's annual profit was down by 37.9%. So that compares to, I think it was 21% for BHP yesterday. Slower China demand, of course, being flagged. Those lower iron ore prices. Um, The dividend being cut by record highs, of course. Keep in mind, they're coming from a very high base. But the full year dividend coming in at $4.92 per share. It's also... You know, much as BHP pointed to was higher costs. So BHP, I spoke with the CFO and he said operationally we were great. It was, it was, you know, it's material, it's layer, labor, uh, you know, cutting into uh, the profitability. And in the case of BHP, at least, um, you know, really looking towards some of those future focused industries rather than the old school coal. So, yeah, we'll have another read of this Rio Tinto report, no doubt, before tomorrow morning. Anything big in the States that's out tonight? It's... FOMC is uh, tomorrow, isn't it? No, not really. <coughs> yeah, we're, we're waiting for the... Uh, you know, so get the minutes from the, uh, the FOMC. So the question there will be, what was the discussion? Was it uh, no, 0 or 25 or 25 or 50? 
Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Probably one that will go and dictate how the market's going to behave. Uh, we get you know, any inkling that the Fed might be considering starting to reaccelerate back towards our uh, 50s again. That's going to get people a little bit nervous at the moment. But I think a lot of it really comes down to uh, that PCE deflator, uh, you know, consumption spending uh, that will be released on Friday night our time. That, so that really looms as the big event of the week. All right, Scotty. Well, we do get an IFO business climate survey out of Germany. And like I said, that... Um yeah, that that data from Europe is surprising to the upside, which you know is, is not bad. I mean, we we were really prepped for a winter of despair in Europe, but it's not turned out that way. Um, even as the war in Ukraine wages, and yet the FOMC meeting minutes. I can't believe it's Thursday already tomorrow. This therein lies my confusion. I cannot. I I don't understand where this week has gone. Oh, it's reporting season. The last two weeks have just been a blur. And uh, I think anyone who's been trying to go and keep up uh, is just got steam coming out of their ears. So I think when it gets to Friday, eventually, which Dean for uh, your county is two days away okay. from now, uh, we'll undoubtedly, undoubtedly have you know, have a drink and go and pull our heels because be, uh, it's been a big, big slog. Oh, darn. I was thinking about having one tonight. But no, you're right. I will wait, Scotty. I hope you have a good night. Uh, it's hump day. <laughs> go ahead anyway. All right. See you later. Catch you tomorrow.